Hello and welcome to the Backpots, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. Today on the Backpots, we look into what everyone's been watching in the start of 2023. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host Ali Milwala and with me today for the first show of 2023, I have Gurpreet, Kevin and Shivank. Welcome gents. Hello, hello. How's it going? Hello. It has been a very thunderous start to 2023. Lots of <laughs> storming action all over the place. It certainly has. If anyone doesn't know, I'm definitely making a reference to the Auckland weather. Uh, it has been completely opposite for uh, Shivank and Kevin in Australia. I'm sure it's been nice and nice and warm and very very relaxing, to be honest. How's the weather been there, boys? Subtropical. Subtropical. Yeah. Yep. Humid. So that sounds. That sounds really nice. Yeah. I think we skipped summer mm. this year, um, and it's a good thing that uh, New Zealand also skipped the summer cricket here this year, um, because they would have definitely not played any. <laughs> and on that note, a beautiful black caps note, uh, Shivank, let's go out to you. So today we're going to do something a little bit different uh, to the listeners. Mm. We're going to just check in and see what everyone's been watching and do a little bit of a around the grounds. So yeah. Shivank. How has your start to 2023 been? Oh, I'm just getting back to Sydney time zone again. So, uh, yeah, it's been all over the show. <laughs> and because it's been all over the show, I have barely been watching the sports that I normally watch. So, football, I don't even know what's going on. Has Argentina won the World Cup? <laughs> I, I've been so out of touch in the last seven weeks. <laughs> but whatever. Shivank, rumor has it that you've actually been jetting around Europe signing every man and his dog for Chelsea. Uh, I, <laughs> is that right? Is that I, right? I'm surprised you don't know what's going on in the world of football. I don't know. That sounds like something that happened 20 years ago. It doesn't seem like 2023 ba- to me. Back to the future. <laughs> back to the future. <laughs> now, but hey, look, um, so for the most part of 2023, I've been in India. So the only sport I've been able to watch in a comfortable time zone has been cricket. And then thanks to highlights, I've been sort of keeping abreast with NFL and um, the NBA. But beyond that, I have like I legitimately have no what no idea what's going on in in the Premier League or any of the other sports that we talk about. <laughs> I think considering you're a Chelsea fan, it's probably a good I, thing. I was about to say, is <laughs> is this a is this a if rule that Shivank has? If position greater than eight, I don't care about what's going on in football. Well, is it is it eight? I don't even know oh. to be honest. Like, oh, because because look, we played Man City thrice in three weeks. That's all I remember. And I'm like, look, we will lose all three anyway. It's a shit season anyway. I I do not care. I don't know what cups we're in. 
I know we're in the Champions League because that's what happened recently. Shivank, Sh- I, I, I can <laughs> yeah. honestly tell you, none of us know either because we don't scroll. Like, you know, when, when the table shows the first eight teams, we generally don't scroll below that. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I get it though because you're so used to scrolling that the one time you get a break, you're like, you know what? We'll not do it. So that's okay. That's okay. After 10 odd years of mediocrity, <laughs> it's nice that you guys can catch a break. Oh, it's good to have him back. <laughs> it was getting too it has been a bit, otherwise. It, it's, it's been a bit too easy without Siobhan, right? <laughs> what can I say? I'm glad to be back. <laughs> but yeah, there's, right, been, so yeah. there's been lots of, lots, of, um, got lots of action on the EPL side. I mean, even on the Chelsea side, like Potter and... How is Potter going and how much of Brighton is Chelsea actually going to buy? Minority shareholders. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> They've not bought the right parts, right? Like they, they bought, no. they bought yeah. plenty, but not, not the right parts. Arsenal's like swooped in for Trossard, so that's, Trossard. that's some news. Yeah, They might mm. get Caicedo as well, from what yeah. I hear. But honestly, if you were to ask me how many players Chelsea signed, I have lost track. <laughs> it's basically like we can spend, spend out three new teams and I wouldn't recognize a single player. Almost as many runs as India scored against the Black Caps, I'd say. Almost. <laughs> basically, basically. In the one days or in the T20s? Uh, just in the third ODI. Shivank, <laughs> <laughs> have you kept an eye on... Have you, have you, by any chance, just as a quiz, have you kept an eye on who is at the top of the EPL? Yes, and for a change, I'm happy that they're on top of the EPL. It's been 20 years in the making. A fellow, the, a, a fellow London team as well. Look, it's not Liverpool, and it's certainly not you guys. So I'll give them oh, a pass. Sh- well, shots fired. You know, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny that Shivank mentions the 20 year remark because 20 years ago. Arsenal were top of the table halfway through the I season know. and they got usurped by United to the title. The 2002-2003 season? No, that's the so invincible season. Very, um, yeah, very much uh, good memories from 20 years ago. Let's see how that one goes. <laughs> <laughs> there's still plenty of time. There's still Arsenal, Man City three, twice coming up. Twice. So. Hmm. Uh, where, where's Ashish when we need him? <laughs> Um, fingers crossed on Tossard, like just kicking, kicking some Arsenal players in the face and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tossard and just Chakra throwing some boots around. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's basically everything I know about football. Arsenal's on top, and it's not Liverpool or United. So yeah, it's a it's a more palatable shade of red. Can we call time on? Sorry, can we call time of death on one day cricket after that series? Oh. Yeah, we're done with it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Well, the I, World Cup yeah. will really be like the final now. Like it's, I think, it's really hard to kind of fully get as excited mm. about the World Cup, the one day World Cup as it was for the T20 World Cup. Yeah. Look, I remember we did a show a, a few months ago and we basically had a full episode dedicated to Is ODI Cricket Dead? And Kevin made a comment that let's just use ODI Cricket as a feeder platform. Like if you want to try out new players after the IPL or big bash or something and you want to see if they can actually grind it out the to- at the top level we use the ODI as a platform and then promote them to either test cricket or T20 cricket 
ever since that comment, um, I feel more encouraged by it that I think that's the way forward. It's basically a glorified list A game now. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually yeah, not a bad idea because uh, ODI is essentially like you get to play two, two, two T20s so everyone can have a bat instead of, you know, only the top four in the batting order getting a bat. Yeah, just have unlimited subs. <laughs> <laughs> just just sub people on. Like you, you, don't, you only bowl like four or five overs and then just sub the next bowler so, on. <laughs> the IPL will be doing that this year. You can have substitutes. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I, we needed that. but um, We don't. We <laughs> quite simply don't. We don't. There is no space for substitutes in cricket unless there's an injury. Because what do you need a substitute for? It's not like you're running around like you would be in hockey or basketball or football. You're sitting on your backside for like 50 overs if you're not batting. And then you're out in the ground for four hours and not moving unless the ball's coming your way. So it's not like you're drained of energy. The only reason you need a substitute is tactical. But then that removes half the fun if you can swap out a batsman for a bowler when it's your turn to bowl. Is that how the subs rule is going to work? Can you can you sub out a player after they've contributed, or is it like can you get rid of a bowler for a batsman? Something like that. So I remember discussing this with Sid a, a month or so ago while the auction was happening, and it was basically something like this: so somebody can bat in their batting, and then when it comes when it's time for the, the, that team to bowl, you can swap them out and swap in a bowler. Right. Right. Ooh. Mm. But then the coin toss becomes even more important on who that the coin toss comes like vital, right? On who you pick as your sub. Mm-hmm. So somebody like a Krunal Pandya or a Hatik Pandya or for lack of a better example, um Shardul Thakur, people who can contribute on both sides, start to lose a bit of value because you can bring in specialists. Mm. Like a specialist bowler or a specialist batsman. Yeah. Can you get sub uh, substituted like mid-over or while you are batting? Like you see, you know, Kane Richardson out there on... <laughs> Kane Richardson on zero of zero 13 balls. You're like, sub, get out of here, Kane. <laughs> Bring in Chris Lynn instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Don't know. Well, we'll see how it goes. It may change the game. Like, it doesn't have to... Not everything they try in the IPL should stay. Yeah. But it could work in other forms if it's reasonable. And we mm. spoke about it from, like, a test perspective. That may be a good way... That may be a good good place to have subs. Um, who knows? Um, mm. From the one-day perspective, I think, yeah, definitely. We should just have infinite subs. And, you know, just have a team of like 30 players or something that you would, you could bring on um, <laughs> at any given point in time, depending on how the, how the game's going. Because, you know, you could really do some funny stuff when it comes to that and see some interesting yeah. situations. You, you basically do a bit, pull an NFL in cricket. Like you have a specialist yeah. unit, a batting unit and a bowling unit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I mean, an actually really good Really good segue to what have you been watching, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, spot on. So it's postseason time in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and uh, congratulations to the 49ers fans in, in the room, which is basically everybody but me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, did um, with, they, they did it with like the what, the what was it? Like a 12th Mr. Mr. Best Irrelevant. Quarterback? 
Uh, no, no, Mister Irrelevant. So the last person picked in the in the draft, basically the guy who nobody gives a shit about. Excuse my language. Um, ends up being your starting quarterback and ha- is undefeated. How that happens for you guys and not for us, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> and look, if you beat the Eagles, um, I, I was telling Siobhan prior to this, it's it's in terms of um, like who would end up in the Super Bowl, you've got the Chiefs and the Bengals, the Eagles and the Niners. They're probably the best teams. Um, they're definitely the best teams um, in the comp. Um, but from like a like a, a like a tactical standpoint, they're very similar teams on in the NFC and the AFC. So the Eagles and the Niners are very similar, and the Chiefs and the Bengals are very similar um, in how they play. And and so it's a win win. This is great sport, great you know, great spectacle. Mm. Um, looking forward to this Super Bowl. Probably the you know the one that I'm most looking forward to in the last six seven years easily. Kevin, I just want you to explain the Mr. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant because when they do the draft, literally that because he's the last pick, it's literally the 49ers are picking someone for the sake of they have to pick someone. It's it, Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, <laughs> so what happens um, as soon as the draft finishes, um, or actually even during the draft, um, the front offices in the NFL are calling all of these players that haven't been drafted. So the, the player that gets picked last, um, it doesn't matter because they would have been on the phone to, um, to call him, to get him into the building anyway. So it, it's, it's, um, it's, it, they're called Mr. Irrelevant. They're typically quarterbacks because uh, <laughs> QBs are the ones that are, you know, the most val- valuable chip, but, um, so they, they end up being um, the last one picked in, 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 in the draft mm. spectacle because you can probably end up getting another player um, via uh, the undrafted free agency route. But speaking of drafts and picks, something that happened midseason for the Niners, which I feel turned out brilliantly, was the arrival of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that was, that was a good trade. Um, you basically traded all of your draft picks to get him. But if you win a Super Bowl off the back of that, then I think it's worth it. It's worth it, yeah. 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 And he's a proper battering ram, that unit, if you see him play. I think you're less <laughs> you're less convinced by him than I am because ever since I've seen him, he's basically like just running through defenses. He's – okay, so this is this is probably a note to, to coaching, right? Um, there is a gulf of coaching talent in the NFL in certain areas and especially with – with the Niners coach, things that he's done, to put it into context, it's equivalent of, it's, it's yeah, it, you could put it, you could compare it directly with what ETH has been doing mm. with, with Man United. It is, it is on the same level of quality and like he's brought in talent, yes, but he is working and developing a roster that is a very particular style. I mean, it's, it's only really copied by one or two um, teams in 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 the whole of the NFL, and to be able to do that with with a rookie quarterback and with three different quarterbacks. Remember, they started a year off with Trey Lance, um, yep. and then they had Jimmy Garoppolo bit midway through. Mm. Um, that's it's it's on a whole different level of um, coaching, um, and it's it really needs to be applauded. 
And while we're we're all celebrating the 49ers for getting as far as they have without the top two quarterbacks, can we also just give a massive shout out to Debo Samuels? Yeah. Definitely. That guy's an, that guy is another powerhouse. Yeah. There's some there's some elite level talent on that Niners team. But on defense as well. I mean Nick Bosa, Bosa. is a huge part. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the big headlines from the NFL as well during the season was the Damar Damar Hamlin mm. uh, having a heart attack mid game as well. Do you want to share kind of like talk through like how that's kind of like what has been the seismic effect of that across the teams and across the NFL? Well, it's a, it's a similar situation to Ericsson. Um, so to put it in context, um, Damar, and to give a bit of background, Damar on a very innocuous tackle, it, it, I wouldn't even call it a big hit comparatively, um, collapsed, um, needs to be resuscitated on the pitch, um, which, you know, from uh, from recent memory, this is sort of like in the Hughes territory of um, of, of scenarios where worst possible situation that you want um, when it comes to any sporting environment. I think that the shocking part about this is, is, is the fact that it was such a low contact um, incident. There are much worse tackles across the board, like not even in just um, um, in American football, but you see worse sort of situation, head clashes in, in, in soccer, which, which, which would have resulted in, in players still getting up and walking off the field. So there's a shock factor there. Um, and then the second part about that is, um, well, okay, well, how is the reaction? Because, you know, kids watch this, um, mothers who have kids, parents who have kids who, who play the sport watch this. Um, how do they react? There's whole different levels of this. Um, and I think overall, from the handling of the situation, the NFL did a, a reasonable job. There are areas they probably could have handled it better, but, you know, this kind of stuff you can't really prepare for beyond, mm. you know, what they did already. But they got him to the hospital on time. He's okay now. He's walking. He's been sweet. Um, and we can see how it goes from there. And that, that's something to be commended. Um, but overall, it sort of sort of speaks to the fact that you know we are watching sport. This is entertainment. Um, when this kind of life and death situation crops up, we have to be very mindful of that. Um, and sometimes I think um, th- there there is a sentiment across the board that you know these are people. They are playing a sport for our entertainment, um, and we have to still see them as people. Often we kind of get into that, you know, this guy's injury prone and those kinds of conversations. Um, and, you know, our season's gone because this guy's, you know, got an ACL, things like that. There's a, there's a human element to it that that obviously um, has a huge impact on, you know, these people's lives and, um, you know, it, it, it'll influence the sport going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these conversations are quite normal as well in obviously rugby and rugby league because obviously very relevant, a lot of concussions, a lot of, you know, players finding out they have like crazy, terrible concussions after, you know, retiring after five, six, ten, ten years and yeah. kind of all, all that kind of carry on as well. And a lot of NFL players have that usually post-retirement. They, there's, you know, they're, they're physically 
and they, you know there's a lot of damage that's left behind from their playing careers but mm. happening on the field of play during a match it just brought brought that spotlight that probably um i think a lot of play a lot of ex players would have wanted but not in the way that it happened i guess but it was important for them to highlight so they could you know do something about it essentially or be in everyone's vision to do something about it yeah i mean there's a few factors involved in this um and like talking points uh like at, at the very top um load management in the nba is a, is a talking point um we have the cba disagreement right now in the nrl which is yeah. focusing a lot on player safety and what happens to them after the game um you, you talk about the situation where, you know, in some cases, NFL teams are playing after four days um, in a high-contact sport. Is that a good idea? Are we putting our players in jeopardy? And, and the same carries over to, like, the, the EPL. You know, we've got three trophy comps happening at the same time um, just after we had a mid-season break with a World yeah. Cup, yeah. right? We're putting a lot of pressure on these players, and the sport um, science has reached the point where I think players are playing almost as close as they possibly can to their peak, especially in the, 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 um, the high dollar, um, leagues. So mm. these are all things that uh, are relevant when, when talking about the DeMar Hamlin situation. And it's not just playing that you have to take into account the travel that these guys have to do, um, also starts taking a toll on the human body, because if you're flying, your body's going through atmospheric pressure changes, you're, changing weather, you're changing so many things around you. It's not easy for the human body to handle on top of playing at such a high level. I, I guess yeah. just on that, on yeah. the points you guys have made, just the the increase in these incidents, that that's probably the aspect I'm finding quite shocking. Um, I, I know when, when the first one of these happened, I think it was, uh, I forget his name, but it was an African footballer, um, maybe five or six, seven, maybe seven years ago. And, and Fabrice that's Wamba. what it was. Um, but yeah. but since then, you know, it seems like there's an incident that happens like almost every couple of months. And uh, part of me does wonder, to your point, um, Kevin, is it just across these sports, whether it be league or NFL, um, football, uh, are we just starting to push these guys to the absolute limit? I yeah, I think I do agree with you, Gurpreet. I think we are, and a lot of it is simply motivated by greed. Everybody has seen how financially bankable these players are, how much of an asset these guys are, and so the more you push them, the more you push them to play them, and their entertainment value keeps on going up. The more these guys will play, and the stuff will happen. Like we're jeopardizing human lives simply for entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree. And I, I mean, Kevin, you, you mentioned that you know teams being involved in in four competitions. A part of me does wonder, and I get it, right? There is there is prestige and there is money linked to to those competitions. But the other aspect is. Do you need all those games? Uh, for example, this weekend we've had the we've had the FA Cup. We had the we had the League Cup earlier in the week. Uh, mm. Two legs replays. There's money associated with both of those. TV money. 
is it really necessary when you've had a World Cup in the middle of the year? Uh, I, I think all of this, it, it just speaks to uh, the financial aspects being prioritized over the well-being of players. And, and, and I guess I'm just not talking about cardiac conditions. I'm talking about other sorts of injuries that, you know, just, just muscle injuries that are going to happen. Um, and, and then, as you say, Kevin, we're, we're going to have players saying, you know, um, Anthony Martial has made a paper and Christian Eriksen's ankle's gone and that's going to cost us a top four or whatever, right? It's, but it's, it's the reality of wear and tear, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, it's, also, it's also what's going to happen, I think, in the next maybe five or six years. The clubs that have money um, in these competitions, have real money in these competitions, big backing, they would be able to do more, um, especially in like – places like the EPL where they can build a squad that's similar to the Manchester City sort of design where it's got ridiculous amounts of depth. So they're able to change the players out, bring them in because they have the depth, they can keep the injury rate, injury rate yeah. low. Um, you've got a similar situation with the Penrith Panthers. They've stumbled, <laughs> not stumbled, but they have a model in which is quite successful. They develop players and they change them through. They've got good systems in place and they're going to maintain and, you know, clubs like the Warriors and the Knights, who we both love, um, <laughs> may end up struggling because they won't be able to catch up to them um, mm. from that talent perspective. And they're always pushing the limits of what these players can do. Like, I think, I think the Knights are a great example of a team reliant on one player. And if that one player does not perform or is injured, which is what happened last year, then we end up sitting at the bottom four of the table. Um, and I'm sure you'd probably agree with the Warriors as well. I'm sorry, who, who is that one player for us? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, exactly, my point. <laughs> well, it was Reese Walsh. <laughs> yeah, Reese Walsh who? And before that, when, by the time it, they actually start working out, it's time for them to depart. Yeah. <laughs> so this season, we're discovering ourselves again. The new, new the New Zealand new. Warriors. <laughs> yeah, the one. The one. <laughs> but also, uh, just just to wrap this point up, this isn't something that's unique to football, and we're not basically just bashing the Premier League. We have the same complaint about modern mm. day cricket, where every player is is expected to play three yeah. formats and 60 games a year and basically travel mm. or be on the road for more than 250 days out of yeah. 365 with the latter 120 being occupied by the IPL. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a ridiculous expectation to have on, from the human body and then expected to perform day in, day out for the next as 15 well as years. Train and, you know. Yeah. And then we, yeah, and then we complain about uh, players not playing for their national team, but playing for the IPL. IPL. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's a really good segue on to Gurpreet. Gurpreet, what have you been up to? Jan 2023. A lot of football, Ali. I have been watching too much football. Uh, but it's... Uh, too much. Most of it has been quite good. Uh, I, I suppose uh, less than seven days have passed since we had that epic throwback to 20 years ago. United versus Arsenal. 3-2, quite gutting at the end, uh, but it was quite an entertaining game. I think for the majority of experts out there, it sort of underlined the fact that this could be the season Arsenal in that weight. 
Man City hot on their heels. I I think we've still got a little bit of a race. Uh, depth, as as Kevin was alluding to, is probably going to be the key here. So we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of money being spent, and and that's sort of been the other thing to to keep an eye on. Uh, a lot of clubs in that top four race spending significant amounts of cash. Uh, the club nowhere near the top four race spending the most cash, uh, really going out there and signing every exciting attacking talent there is, stockpiling as it be for, for next year. That being Chelsea, uh, wedged between Liverpool and Aston Villa in 10th place. Um, a lot of talk, um, most of it above my head, about how Chelsea uh, once again bending the financial fair play rules to, to sign all of this talent. Uh, We're not bending them. They get bent after we've done them and people realize, oh, this is the new loophole in the system. <laughs> talking about pushing talking about pushing limits and, and ethics, uh, Chelsea uh, setting the bar once again. Um, so yeah, uh, lots to be excited about, I think, with, um, with what's coming up in the world of football. And from a United perspective, the most exciting has been uh, Eric Ten Hag's revolution. I think we saw it once again this morning. World's best defensive midfielder and Casemiro scoring two beautiful goals. Uh, really cannot get enough of football at the moment. Just on the Chelsea point, um, I think they spoke to Potter. They liked the idea of what Brighton was doing, but they expanded the reach from South America to the world and just decided to grab everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, like, hey, hey. It's like, big, it's like without filters. <laughs> big, bigger just, club? Just... You see, bigger clubs, bigger scale. <laughs> you can't get any bigger than what you're doing right now. <laughs> Let's oh, be we've only just scratched the surface. You never know that. We might be scouting Mars for players right now. <laughs> I'm... Those guys seem to perform well without oxygen. Maybe they'll do well with loads of oxygen. I mean the, you know, maybe Barcelona is going to be a feeder team at some point. Uh, I mean, the numbers the numbers here are eye-watering for January, right? So, uh, and, and albeit not all of these players are for the remaining five months or whatever, but Mudrek, mm. 90 million pounds. Noni Madueke from PSV Eindhoven for, for next year, 30 million pounds. Shao Felix, you know, 100 million euro player on loan from Atletico Madrid. Um, for 10 million. 10 million. Something, isn't it? Bardashiel yeah. from Monaco, 35 million. Fafana, 10 million. Andre Santos, 18 million. Shavank, is there, is there a method to the madness? Uh, yeah, it's the same method. Oh, okay, so yes, there is. Um, I've seen, I, I can figure out half of it. I can't figure out the full picture. So basically, we're dismantling the team one piece at a time and we're rebuilding. And look, we've got a few weak spots, right? There's basically no denying it. We don't know how to score a goal. And so the biggest thing we're doing is getting a brand new front line. So we've, um, you've highlighted Mudrik, you've highlighted Joao Felix. We also signed Raheem Sterling at the, at the beginning of the year. Um, Hakim Ziyech will probably be gone next summer. Timo Werner is already gone. Obama Yang might not stick around. So you'll see a lot of change in that space. Um, you will also see some investment in midfield, whether it is now, whether it's later. Hard to say, but you will see a couple of midfielders coming in. 
Badushile, he's basically covering up a um a big hole that we have, which is the left side of defense. And he's young. He's 21, 22, something like that. I don't know. He, he's pretty young. So he's covering that left side of defense. He's a fast, aggressive player who can play a high line, who's good on who's good with the ball at his feet. It's all of that stuff. We've got three really promising players on left wing back in Chile when he's fit. Cucurella, who's who, if you remember, was basically filling in at left center back because we had no one available for the longest time. And he was out of his depth over there. We've got Lewis Hall, who's playing really well with all the injuries that are going on. We have reportedly signed a right wing back as well, but he'll join um, next summer, next European summer. Interesting name, Gusto mm. Malo. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So we we finally have decent cover for um, Reese James at right back because as much as I love Aspi, I think at 32, 33, he simply doesn't have the legs anymore to play right wing back th- every three days. It, it, it's just interesting because you, you signed a whole new team before the season started, and now you've signed another whole new team, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the key difference between both of those two was that during the summer, we had Tommy T, who I still miss, and basically the team was being molded to what he thought, but then obviously around September or October, they felt he wasn't necessarily the guy to take forward because he didn't align with the grand vision that Todd Bowley and everyone else had. So they've gotten Potter now. He seems to be fitting in well with the grand vision that they have. And so now they're basically pivoting in that direction. Mm. And obviously there were loopholes in the FFP system to exploit anyway. Winning the Champions League a year and a half ago makes a significant difference because, you know, your financials gets get so much better with that. Mm. And so, yeah, bend the rules as much as you can. Until the new rules come in. The question is, what happens with this entire second squad when Chelsea have no European football next year? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. We'll sell some to you guys. They won't even get to Europa League. Like It'll be the Europa, whatever the Tottenham's playing, Europa Conference League or whatever it's called. We'll get to something. We'll get to something. You'll get get above a... You know how I just said that Barcelona was the feeder team for... Chelsea is the feeder team for the rest of the EPL. <laughs> They'll just <laughs> loan out all of these players so they can play. We, we, lo- we loan out a player to every club who ends up becoming their star player and then they can't play against us. <laughs> and then every other fan will complain. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my question is, okay, you got the two different teams. Which of the players are you actually going to keep? Um, I'm assuming like Ryan Sterling, um, they're all going to be, they're, they're going to be gone, right? Why? Why would Sterling be gone? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, why would he, why would he start in, in an, uh, so with, with somebody like Raheem Sterling, who's what, 27, 28 and on 300,000 plus every week, good luck moving him to sure. anyone. Yeah. Like the sure. only club, the only club that can pay for him is United. Like if I'm being yeah. very yeah. realistic yeah. right yeah. now, yeah. not, not yeah. saying you guys want him or not, but the yeah. only club that would pay that much money is United. Now, if you want and, an upgrade over Martial, we can talk, but I don't see that happening. Like, I think, I think one of the things is probably, 
you know, teams like Brentford and Brighton are probably licking their lips because they were looking for the fallout when Chelsea are like, well, we need to get rid of a lot of these players and Brighton and Brentford will come come through and they'll be like, we'll take all these other youth players or the system players that are not going to get a shot because you bought so many big names that you need to play on big and wages. Yeah. And we'll just scoop, look, the, uh, scoop the cheaper, cheaper bargains. But that's nothing new for us. That happens every single year. So none of that is anything that's not something we're not well, that's something with that we're not used to mm. every year we lose a levi colville to a brighton and then wonder what somebody has to do for them to break into the team and then we sign somebody else for that very same position yeah we sell tino Livermento, and then we're like oh if only we had a right wing back back to back up reese james uh, right uh, now uh, uh, although so, on that the, the the brighton theory so it was at the start of the season when we were looking at the the signings that different clubs have made. Uh, we were talking about how easily Spurs had managed to get Yves Basuma from Brighton. And one of the things we said on, on the podcast actually was that Brighton had recognized the fact that Basuma was going to move. So in the January window last year, they signed Casado. Uh, and and that's uh, that's looking like the next big transfer story that's going to play out over the next week because he's basically mm-hmm. come out and said, I want to move. I'm going to get you 60 million pounds. The, the way Brighton keep doing this is utterly incredible, right? It is utterly incredible the way they're able to go out and sign these players. Um, the other one is this bloke they've got running up and down the wing. Uh, I think it's, it's Matoma. He's got a, he's, this guy's got a, PhD in dribbling, right? Um, they signed him for three million pounds. He's probably going to be moving to a big club very soon for close to forty million pounds. That's how good he has been. The the scouting mm-hmm. going on at Brighton, the talent recognition is. I I think it's a story in itself. We've hired the talent scout. Ah. I, I was I was about to say this, right? Um, <laughs> didn't you hire Potter so that you would be developing these young guys and bring them through? Like it, it feels like. You've just hired the guy and then decided to do the same old, same old. Hey, um, and or give, or give it, give it another just, eighteen months. Give it another eighteen my, months. <laughs> if I'm putting my tinfoil hat on, right? Has has Brighton pulled off the biggest Trojan horse in the history of the EPL? <laughs> and is Potter now putting Chelsea in a situation and? So- <laughs> Todd Bowley would just woke up one morning. He's like, you think Todd Bowley just woke up one day? And he's like, why didn't I buy Brighton? Like, what the hell was I doing? Like, I, I, you know, I, I'll tell you what's actually happening. Todd Bowley is just a fraud. The man behind all of this is Roman Abramovich. Oh, <laughs> and, and Romans bought Brighton. Well, Roman's showing wow. a lot of patience with Todd Bowley. That's that's all I can say. Wow, conspiracy theories, left, right, and center. Because, because frankly, nothing's changed. We sack a manager mid-year through. We still spend money like it's a uh, nobody. It's nobody bus- nobody's Your business. Your signing still don't make sense <laughs> to anyone, including <laughs> us. Ah, <laughs> uh, goodness me, goodness me. So yeah, Ali, uh, looping back around, lots happening in the world of football. I, I, I think uh, for the first time in a long time. We've got so many narratives in a season. So we've got we've got five months to go. There is, I, I think, there is still ample room for a, a genuine title chase between Arsenal and City. Um, Arsenal have a comfortable lead, but they have a reputation for uh, for blowing leads. Um, C- 
City have a, an absolute robot up front for them. Uh, Haaland just cannot stop scoring goals. Um, we have a resurgent Manchester United, a resurgent Newcastle United, and they're on course to meet in the Carling Cup final. Um, a narrative right there. Um, then we've got, I, I think, Spurs, who are... Um, a lot of people had them as favourites for the top four, but they seem to be struggling. Um, and just below them, you've sort of got... Typical Spurs. Very Spursy. Very Spursy. And, and then you've got this narrative of uh, what's going to happen with um, with the likes of Liverpool and, and Chelsea, who've, um, who've spent a ton of money, right? Um, I, I know we're, we've spent the best part of 20 minutes laughing at, at Chelsea, but Liverpool have spent a ton of money, and they're not doing much better. And on paper, at least, they've got the more settled squad, mm. right? Um, yeah. Hey, we've changed owners and managers. What's what is their, their excuse, excuse, right? That is, you know, this is almost a podcast in itself, right? It's Klopp's seven-year itch. It's That's not, exactly it. Yeah. That is exactly it. But, you know, I think the over overarching story, I think, for the rest of the season is this, this Premier League season is a race for the signature of one man. And one teenager from Borussia Dortmund. And there oh. are teams essentially playing just for that one player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we all know who he is. And it's just, uh, you know, United needed to guarantee Champions League football. Maybe title run could convince convince him of that. Arsenal have just bought spent a lot of money which they might not have more money in the in the bank for him. City potential. Chelsea and Liverpool are not going to be in Europe. Is that going to uh, be as attractive? When was that a problem? Newcastle maybe. When was not being in Europe a problem? <laughs> then stop. It was for United. <laughs> yeah, you don't if you're not in Europe for 10 years, yes, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't been that long, Shivan. You still managed to spend however much you did on Sancho, who's not done much since. Yeah, but he's not. Might the, finally play some football. Soon. Yeah, but he's not the worst signing, right? Like Darwin, Darwin Nunes is the worst signing. Oh, by a long This is this is it, right? Like I, I, I maintain Liverpool and their fans have got off so easy this year because there have been some shocking moves that they've made. I mean, we can go on and on about United not signing a striker and not getting rid of Ronaldo. How bad has that Liverpool midfield been, right? Um, you know, they, they have known for the best part of two years that they needed to refresh that midfield. Klopp can make all the excuses he wants, but the fact that they didn't sign a player in that midfield, and, and maybe the player that he marked is the, the man who Ali mentioned, um, but it'll be interesting if he'll go there if they're not in Europe. Uh, well, if they're not in the Champions League. Um, yeah, I, I really want to know what Liverpool's excuse this year is because um, I, I think they've had a shocking season. Climate change. Eek. I mean, give, Klopp's complained about it being too windy at Goodison Park that they conceded that late goal. So I wouldn't be surprised if he says, oh, because of climate change. We and never made and it look, that, I, I think you've just segued to the other amazing narrative, I think. Um, Goodison Park, you know, the, the relegation race this year is going to be fascinating because I, I think we could well see mm. one of the more established mid-table sides go down and it could well be Everton I think uh it, it looks it looks like they're gonna 
sign uh, Sean Dyche as Frank Lampard's, well, you know, mm. I, I mean, we couldn't have predicted much at the start of the season, but I think we all predicted Lampard to be sacked uh, at some point, and that's that's <laughs> panned out. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure this Everton squad is built to be in the mold of the one Sean Dyche one. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to be really interesting. Is is Everton now considered one of the more historically poorly managed? mid-table squads of all time like considering like you know even the hiring hiring process of you know getting Lampard into the building all that kind of stuff they seem like just making bad decision after bad decision and it's not a consistent approach it's like it's almost compare comparing it to if you want to compare it to one of the top table two it's almost Chelsea except at a minor scale with a significantly greater impact Hey, hey, we win trophies. You can compare it to United instead. You guys win nothing. It's like Chelsea with no money. That might change it. That that might change in a month's time, right? With a Carling Cup. Um, No, I I, I, I get your point, um, Kevin, because it it is, is, I I think it is becoming a case in in mid-table mismanagement, if, if you could use those terms, because... They, they have spent money. There is talent in that squad. It, certainly, if you go through their starting 11, you, you, you couldn't say that as a bad squad on paper. I think part of the problem is when you appoint a manager like Frank Lampard, and uh, Shivank will speak to this, he likes to play a particular way, and there isn't a lot of tactical flexibility. And when you go through the premiership and you look at the, the profile of teams... I think one of the challenges in the premiership is you face so many different types of teams from, from one week to another. And so many of these teams are so adaptable. We, we've spoken at length about Brighton. You look at Brentford, you look at Fulham, right? Um, th- these teams, uh, Crystal Palace is another one, right? They are, they are teams that uh, you, you look at them and they're, you're like lower to mid table, but, uh, when you break them down tactically, mm. these are tough, tough sides to play against. And I don't think Everton are that anymore. Everton are no longer a tough side to play against. So I, I, no. I think when you do that, when you when you want to become a team that plays um, attractive, high-energy football, you need someone who is tactically very... Um, Shivank mentioned Tommy T. You know, you've got... I, I think you've got a bunch of elite managers in the Premiership now. You've got... You've got You've got Pip, yeah. you've got Ateta, the way he's got Arsenal humming. You've got Ten Hag, right? Th- these are guys that know how to play that high-energy, wrist-defense, pressing type of system. You need someone on that level if you want to play that way. And if you don't want to play that way, then you've got to build a squad that is going to be hard to beat, right? And I, I think Everton are kind of stuck in the two worlds. And and I think Southampton are as well, right? They... They don't have the players to play the way they want to play. Agreed. Leeds is another one, right? Um, and so you end up in this mess where you're not hard to beat, right? Uh, mm. And if and you're not organized, and the moment you go a goal down in a game, you're you're going to get opened up. And and I, I think that is why what we're seeing at Everton is them going back to the you know they're, they're going back to a manager that's going to make them hard to beat. What I worry about is does he have the squad, right? Is is there enough players in this Everton team that will play that way? 
I don't think there are. I, I, I think they have too many footballers and, and not enough sort of soldiers on that team. Mm. Yeah, but just sticking to that, I think Everton's downfall basically started when Roberto Martinez yeah. was sacked. Not that I'm saying that he's an excellent manager or anything. I'm just saying that at roughly that time and when the new ownership came in is when the downturn started. Yeah. yeah. And, and yes, they did paper on the cracks by having Carlo Ancelotti for a year, but hey, Don Carlo can't work well, magic. I mean, you, you talk about elite coach. managers, right? And and Don Carlo is right up there, right? Yeah. I mean, the, this is this is where I think you've the premiership is sort of going, where you've got money, and when you when you spend money mm. and you've got elite managerial talent responsible for spending that money, you're going to get a lot of really, really good teams. And and I, I think we, this is the unique thing I think we have in the premiership now where we, we have money lurking around. We have a lot of excellent scouting happening. Mm. We have some elite managers and uh, yeah, I think it's going to make every season quite different to the previous one. I, I think we're kind of going to enter the zone where every year you're going to see something different in the premiership. Yeah. And I think one of the key parts is that there's so many managers who've won like titles, who've won like leagues, who've won Europa Cups, exactly. who've won Champions League. Exactly. And that's like the that's like fourteen out of like the twenty teams have managers who've actually done that. One who've won uh championships before, who've won titles. So it makes it very competitive. They're all kind of competitive, like super highly competitive managers who've been applying their trade. Uh Time to moving on to wrap up. So I think one of the one of the big highlights for me in Jan 2023 has been the Breakers and the basketball, and they are really they're really on a romp. They've got like a crazy run going, and they are looking like they want to march to the title. So it's going to be a good wrap uh, post season as well for them coming up in a couple of weeks as they try to gun down another championship for for the New Zealand. Mm. For the New Zealanders in the NBL, so I think that one might be worth keeping an eye on as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think on that note, thank you very much for joining me, gents. I hope our listeners had some had some good fun joining along as well, and us talking a multitude of different sports. If you want to get sports nerdy with the team, hit us up on our socials: Facebook, Insta, at the Back Pass Pod. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.